0: Hey guys, welcome to Indian Digital Nomads. Today we have with us Kaushal. Kaushal, if you don't know, is one of the OG digital nomad community builder, no code maker, travel blogger, product guy, UI/UX designer, a polyworker in true sense. Kaushal and I have been living a digital nomad life before the hashtag digital nomad life.
1: Kaushal, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Arav. Great to be a part of this, man. Um, absolutely, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. That we've been part of this whole community before it became cool to be a digital nomad. So yeah, looking forward to the well, session. <laughs> Great. Um, also,
0: uh, we will be discussing about how was it to nomad around without smartphone. How nomad life enables you to become a polyworker. How nomads refuse to stick to one identity. How to build communities. Secret of generating passive income through content creation, building product using no code tools, and And much more. So, um, I mean, there is so much to talk uh, about with human, but I had to cap it to just 10 questions. Uh, I'm sure that we can go on and on talking about all the things that we are passionate about
1: yep absolutely i mean if you and i have to sit down in the session we could go on and on if there is no time (laughs) limit great let's get started with uh, how was it to nomad around without smartphone i I think you know the answer to that is it's basically the the trip that literally changed the fabric of my personality it changed who i was and it shaped me into who i am Uh, it's the south america trip and that was in 2008 so uh, so in 2007, I had done four trips to Goa, and that is where I started realizing that I really like to be in one place for a long time. It's not like because you're a nomad, uh, firstly, people have this concept that nomads are basically people who are constantly moving, right? Like constantly. Yes, that's the, that's the definition of the term nomad, but that doesn't mean you have to always keep moving. The idea is that you're moving from time to time. So, uh, back then, because I realized I was going back to the same place, I firstly realized and, uh, and now it's this whole thing is called slow travel, right? So, uh, so, so back then, I mean, when you only had like a Lonely Planet mag, not magazine, Lonely Planet book, guidebook, I had like this big fat book, the Lonely Planet book for South America. And that was my first, uh sort of gateway into the world of being a nomad or being firstly a backpacker right uh and that was a trip which was supposed to be 40 days which turned into a six month long trip which changed everything for me and uh, in, you know when you did not have phones yes i did have a phone at that time but it was basically one of those small little devices which have no uh which have no data you are only doing text conversations on that right so you're only doing sms uh, you have no maps, nothing. So, I personally, if you ask me, I loved, I cherished that time. And I think folks like you and me are the lucky ones because we were the enabled ones. We were the digital enabled ones, but we were not the digitally consumed ones. You know what I mean? That we were not, we were not victims of our own devices, <laughs> so to say. That uh, you know, you are not always on your phone <laughs> all the time. You're not snapping every picture and video and putting up everything on on the stories all the time. So we got to live the moment more than uh, what we do now. Now when I have the phone, uh, I mean, I think now I am definitely a victim of my device, right? Just like the rest of us, just like the rest of uh, even Gen Z for that matter. So it was an amazing time. Yeah. And I think that time is never coming right. back. Not while we are phones. Exactly.
0: I think now it's a challenge to escape the black mirror. Um, it's... it's- it's, it's not so easy. And uh, I think Zenzi, probably they won't be able to understand how was it to travel without maps and travel without um, apps. The, the, all yeah, the actually apps asking that...
1: human beings, like, why would you do that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you rightly say it's uh, it's something that we cherish the most because we know that yeah, man. we have been yeah. lucky
1: to be in that. We could era. be a little more uh, spontaneous for that matter, you know? Like there, there have been times when I was like, okay, because you didn't have any assistance of a smartphone which could tell you that oh if you want to go from point a to point b this is how you do it without that you could be a little more spontaneous you could decide oh i want to stay tonight i want to stay in this hotel like right? you have no choice because you look around you walk around and you see that this is the hostel i want to stay in and that's it so spontaneity has also been a little uh it's been compromised by smartphones yeah there but, was
0: but, way but more I don't room hate for smartphones. Serenity
1: exactly exactly there was more room for serendipity but i'm saying i don't hate smartphones they have definitely enabled us in different ways as well so yeah that's my take.
0: great Uh, let's let's discuss about the 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 whole concept of polywork uh, because i i see that you have had several identities since you started right so um, why do you think that um, polywork is getting traction especially uh, those who have been uh, living and working remotely, they have been uh, working into all different things. Like th- their identity is not confined by just one work they do, but they are polyworker in true sense. Yeah. So why do you think that it's getting traction?
1: That's a. I think that's a great observation because I have never thought of it that way. you know, the people who are the travelers, the nomads, are the ones who who are the uh, hyphenates or the uh, you know, uh, you know the poly workers or polymaths for that matter um i think it comes from um you know people wanting to think about it's like marvel would put it what if you pondered the question what if right uh, uh basically nomads and travelers are the folks who were always thinking about what if my life was not like this? What if it was something else? What if my career was not what I chose, but something else? What if I experiment with doing different things and figure out what else I can do as a work? And what else could I find joy doing? So I think it comes from that uh, human uh, aspiration to, to try and expand the horizons of what we call work.
0: Great. Yeah, so rightly put, I I, I feel like just like as a nomad, we try to, have new experiences and go to new places the same way we, we get curious about new identities and what if i, if yeah. I try that so it,
1: exactly um,
0: i see that that could be the relation um would you like to talk about your journey a bit like how you started as i, I i'm guessing you started as a design guy and then you yes. you know you pivoted into several things how was how was
1: your journey so um, you know i think like steve jobs puts it you you start connecting the dots much later in life uh, and that's how it's happened for me uh, from a young age i have been i've actually been a, a not a poly worker but a polymath from a really young age so uh, and all credits for that goes to my mom because she's always encouraged me since i was a kid to, to do multiple things you know uh, in life she would encourage me to learn a new language uh, to take up classes which were totally different from each other, you know. So one could be about, uh, you know, it could be enrolling me into a, a, sports class or gymnastics, for that matter. Uh, to doing uh different languages, art, uh, learning about uh, even the the not the Vedas, but I have done like Sanskrit and things like that. So, so I think all of that has had shaped my own personality. Uh, so that part is what I attribute being a polymath to. And I was also building communities from a very very young age. I realized that much later. I don't talk about it, but uh, even when I was in school, I would uh, I would run something called the Action Club, and the idea was, you know, can we do can we take action on the things that matter around us? You know, can we plant more trees? And we would actually do that. Um, can we do you know uh, even even the things that are happening right now? That we are currently in the midst of celebrating the festival of Ganeshotsav that is forming a community, right? So we've been creating communities and forming them in the physical space way long back. Uh, and all that starts adding up into shaping your personality. right? Um, so so that's that's really been the journey. And uh, yeah, uh, that, that's how I would put it in terms of how the whole polymath uh, thing has started. But can we go back to your question? Now I've lost sense of the, the question itself and I can't see your face, so... Uh, my visual cue has also gone.
0: Oh no! I just wanted to. share no problem. So uh, the question was just about your journey, like uh, what you started as, and uh, you know
1: what. Right, yeah. How one one thing so, yeah. led to another. Absolutely. So so, like I said, that laid the foundations of uh, what I would eventually call work. And yes, uh, in terms of career, my first job was being a designer. And that still continues even after two decades of working. Uh, I am still a designer, but that's not the only thing I am. Great. Awesome.
0: Also, when we discuss about polywork, I would like to know your opinion on how, when, when you say work, the, the, the meaning of work has changed like how earlier it used to be about work was a means of material production but now work is a means of identity production you know so work is an expression of who you who yeah. we are so that is leading to workism so what is happening is that um, i mean earlier it used to be about you know like okay when you are working you are just doing something to earn money but now mm-hmm. you end up working way more than uh, working for the money because you're working for your own identity you you work to be accepted into certain communities you work to be accepted uh as being part of uh certain identities right so do you think that this is yeah. leading to overwork and people are compromising on their leisure time and the work-life balance is getting uh compromised hmm. uh,
1: i mean that's i don't know if i'm the right person to answer that question the latter half of it but but when it comes to uh, you know people uh wanting to or moving towards uh, uh how do i say this uh the the identity shift has happened from working for uh, as a means to an end and then turning that into who you really are i think all that is 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 what forms the the ikigai matrix right is basically uh, figuring out what kind of work you can do what you're what you're good at what the world needs and it's basically a matrix of uh, uh, and i think it's also what makes you money i don't know what the other thing is: what society needs what you're good at and what makes you money uh, basically an amalgamation of all of that and eventually you start or you try to do work which is uh which can be more of these things you initially start off with what you're good at and what can make you money but you also start yeah. in if you relate this to something like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you basically start off with your basics and then you then you go up the hierarchy and you try to do work or things which are more fulfilling and which uh, which can help society at a large right um i think that's that's my take on that And for the latter part, whether all of that is consuming us or taking over our work-life balance or imbalance, creating an imbalance there. Like I said, I am perhaps the worst person to talk about that because um, I'm someone who loves doing what I do. Right. So pretty much all of my work is things that I would do even if I was not paid to do that. So uh, I don't know if that if that hampers your work-life balance because to me. All work is play
0: <laughs> right yeah so um that's what i mean i think we are sold this whole concept of um if you love what you're doing then you're not working for a single day in your life it's i know that exactly. it's not an easy question to answer for, for me and for anyone but i just wanted to just dive into it and uh know your opinion mm-hmm. i mean uh, it's difficult to say whether it's right or wrong, but yes, it's definitely something that we should be thinking about. Like, you know, just by making work so cool and making work like, okay, if you love it, then you're not working. Are we yeah. kind of not giving ourselves enough free time? Um, you know, the way, because we have seen how, how how the work was back in 90s and, you know, in, in 2011 without smartphone, yeah. when work yeah. was very much separated from, life and play isn't it but now there is there are no boundaries
1: i get what you're saying so now that especially if you're a creator or a vlogger right every little thing that you do can become work and that can that can become uh i I think you have to take a step back there and ask yourself you know am i really am i burning myself out am i doing this because i'm loving doing this or am i doing this because people are expecting me to do this and i need to keep delivering on that uh, that is the challenge of being a public-facing person where you are always constantly putting yourself or your face in front of the camera and talking to people all the time as a vlogger. I think being a vlogger is one of the toughest things you can do uh, because it, it, it's very demanding. You have to always be out there. But that's just one example. I think uh, you always need to take a step back. So what I use for myself is I, uh, I always have a vision board. Uh, which reminds me of the big picture and it keeps telling me, uh, you know, so I have pretty much all of my life laid out on uh, two sheets of paper, which is basically about uh, things I want to do, where I want to do them, uh, why I want to do them and how I want to do them. Right. Uh, So when I look at that big picture time and again, every day, it helps me disconnect and reconnect with the right elements and figure out. Am I uh, too deep into something? Do I need to focus on other aspects of my life? And that's something I would highly encourage everyone to do is have this kind of, I'm not saying create a vision board. I'm a designer so I can make that. But you can, ha- you can have it textually and just write down all these aspects of your life and, and try to balance them as much as possible. Fury,
0: I'm so glad that you brought this up because I see that uh, for digital nomads and creators, especially those who are... Uh, just on their own working for themselves it's super important to have that mental model without that they can't be disciplined they can't be uh focused toward what exactly they are trying to accomplish and what happens i exactly. see is that most of the digital nomads and creators they are they they're they, they performers and they if they are not uh focused towards the bigger reason they end up being uh driven by the vanity numbers like likes and followers yeah. etc yeah. right
1: yeah, yeah. It affects all of us. I mean, even I would keep checking and tracking as much as I would say that, you know, it's not important how many followers I have. The moment I'm looking at my screen and I'm like, oh, you're almost at 6K followers on Instagram. It is a, it's definitely, it's it's got to do something with your uh, psychology, right? You look at those numbers and you're like, okay, I'm almost there. I'm towards 6K, I'm towards whatever K. And it can can be very, very, uh, how do I say again, consuming.
0: great um would, would you like to talk about a bit about uh, you mentioned that you are building a edutech platform so would you like to share what is it about yes.
1: um so that's yeah that's a that's a that's a project i'm currently working on um so it's called JigServe j-i-g-s-e-r-v dot com it's still uh it's in it's a beta so if you go check it out it may break once in a while uh but uh the idea there is basically to to have a community of people who are continuous learners, um, folks who are looking at or evaluating. Currently, it is only catering to higher education courses, which are from accredited institutions and universities. But uh, eventually, it will have more uh, programs, which will not be only university-led. Even you could possibly launch your own program there. So the idea there is basically have a platform, which uh, which is a place and a community for folks who love learning. Um, so on one side, there are courses, and on the other side, there is a community that is curating, interesting. Uh, so think of it as the, I, I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible. Think of it as the Pinterest for learners, where you can create, collate, and uh, and consume content that is all about learning. So yeah, it's. I would say it's a mix of Skillshare okay. and, and, and Pinterest. Are- Sorry, yeah. Okay.
0: No, no, I, I was just curious if these courses are one-to-many course or it's a cohort-based course.
1: These are a mix. So so we have different ones. So there are, currently there is no one-to-many. These are all cohort-based, but uh, eventually we have, uh, so there are currently categories and uh, there will be live online. There is going to be uh, in-person, hybrid, uh, so all sorts of models. Currently, these are cohort based, the ones which are currently online.
0: That's great, so much looking forward to. Is it live or anyone to go check it out?
1: It is, it is live, yes, yes. But like I said, currently, it only has the university one, so you will find like IIM, uh, uh, ISB, such kind of organizations online, such kind of universities. Mm-hmm. All right, okay.
0: just a minute. Great, question. Okay. That that are very exciting, and uh, I'm gonna go check it out. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing about that. Also, I noticed that you recently built a community of communities, right? Would you like to share about what exactly is the Tribe Garden?
1: Sure. So it's currently well, the vision is to become the community of communities. Currently, it is not. Uh, currently, what it is is it's consultancy for uh, for companies or for influencers to grow their tribe and the whole idea is basically that i've been doing uh, and growing communities for the last i don't know over 15 years for sure uh in my own personal uh, uh accord, right so it's it's not been something that i've done in a very structured way it's something which i've loved passionately doing and so now i'm putting a structure to it and you know turning that into something which i can uh help businesses with where uh, and this is this is again come from folks actually asking you know can you help us with this can you help us with that and suddenly you know while i was doing that in the last one year it's become hard communities have become hard i don't know how it happened but but that's how things are going right now which is great um so the the vision behind tribe garden is to have uh, a place where you can discover communities different types of communities it's also a consultancy where you can uh, you know if you're if you're a brand that is looking to create their user base right from creation so your first hundred users or your first thousand users all the way to growing that fan base uh or it could be something for an influencer right who is trying to or somebody who's oh i wouldn't say wannabe influencer but somebody who's starting out and saying you know how do i build my community there are a lot of people who are producing great content but they uh but they don't you know they are not great at the community aspect of things, and that's where Tribe Garden can come in and help them uh, grow their business or grow their audience or grow their fan base, what I call Tribe. So yeah, that's what it all that's what it's all about. As of now, that's what it is, and I uh, I have a lot of plans for it. But currently, what you see live is just the consultancy part of it, which is to me 33% of what I envision. So hopefully, uh, okay, so you know, it's a like we're discussing offline. It is a community as a service at the moment, uh, but it will also be a directory of sorts of, you know, just coming and discovering. So the community, the discovery part is just because I'm a fan of communities and I don't see a place where you can discover communities in general. So that's going to be almost like a, you know, a Yahoo of, for lack of a better uh, example, because Yahoo started off as a directory, right? It's, it, it's, it's going to be like the Yahoo of uh, communities, one part of it, yeah.
0: So community as a service is what product folks are looking at. So see what has happened mm-hmm. is um in, in the last few years we, we noticed how building product has been has been commoditized, it has been democratized, yes. you know. Now it's easy for anyone to build a product using no code tools, you know. What mm-hmm. is the real challenge right now is to distribute the product, you know, to market the product. And communities is how Absolutely. you market the product. So that's the reason why communities are cool there are so many makers they are struggling to bring their product to life just because they have no idea about how to how to plug it in the community how to build the distribution network so i i do see that in coming years community is gonna be uh, extremely hot people would like to offer community as a service uh, community is something mm-hmm. that uh, that can be built only organically right it, it it's a it's Absolutely. the organic growth that fake it. leads to Action. yeah
1: so when that's, right, that's where when you I get mean, community right sorry sorry I was interrupting yeah you. Uh, yeah, you
0: yeah so all and I'm uh, yeah what i was saying is that, that that's where uh, I see the the most value is being created because um, again there are so many amazing products which don't even see the light of the day because they don't have the distribution network so I do see exactly. that the community
1: folks exactly. they have a big role to And, uh, you know, uh, it's also the right, like the whole theory about the first thousand users, I completely believe in that, that currently what happens is a lot of companies focus on growth, on rampant growth, which is not authentic, right? If there is no authenticity in your first thousand users, that's going to trickle down in the rest of your community, then it will no longer be a community. It's just going to be a set of users who you acquired using strategies for User acquisition now that can be through referrals, that can be through cashbacks, that can be through discounts or whatever you use to to acquire those users. So user acquisition has now become easy, but the the community aspect is something which can bring authenticity to that to that user base or that you know to in the in the sense really have passionate folks who believe or love your product or service, which is why it's going to matter a lot.
0: Right. Yeah, especially uh, what I see is that the intersection of uh, crypto creator economy and community is something extremely hot. Now we are seeing with the NFTs as well how uh, with every week yeah. I'm seeing a a, a new craze, a new NFT, and how yeah it's the community through which it is driven. Like lots of people they get to it's like it, like the bored ape yach club was there and all those things so it's 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 all the community
1: which is driving driving all these um uh, new nfts it is, it is. so i, I in do fact see for that every that, non-believer that totally man i mean the nft space and the crypto space is so such a tremendously uh, growing community that for every non-believer in, in nfts or crypto i see uh, you know a 2x or 4x of that in this in this space in that community it's definitely driving that space mm-hmm. a lot
0: no problem yeah so yeah what i was saying is that i'm so much looking forward to see how this stripe garden shapes up because i see that how it is so relevant and um, i know so many product folks they will be needing uh, you know community as a service they would they would need that yeah. to build the yeah. distribution
1: yeah i hope so <laughs> uh,
0: all right yeah Uh, let's let's talk about content creation Uh, as a traveler you have been creating content and uh, you have been seeing how this content creation changed over time like earlier again it was Mm -hmm. about uh, monetizing using platforms like youtube where you would be earning through ads but now what has happened is that uh, with the rise of creator economy that has been democratized as well and now creators are. Making money just by putting their content behind a paywall, so there is no uh, middleman. So they, they, it's like direct monetization is happening so using platforms like Buy Me a Coffee or Patreon or OnlyFans, uh, etc. Yeah. So uh, with with this change, uh, we are seeing that there are so many creators who are making good amount of money just by putting quality content. Uh, what yeah. what are and, and you have been doing it from from a long time you have been creating content both uh, in the written form as well as uh, the video form i would like to know from you uh, what are some tips and some secrets that maybe not many
1: people would know about uh, monetizing uh, content okay uh, once again as much as people would love to believe uh, i am going to be honest here and be upfront about this that i am not the best person to advise people on this i do know what can work but these are things that i have not done myself uh, and the reason i say this is because uh, and this has been a conscious choice right for me my design uh, career and my design work has always been uh paramount for me that's been 90 percent of my uh, my income and i intend to keep it that way uh, at any point in time i do not want my travel content creation uh, work to 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 be more than 10% of my aggregate income, basically. Uh, Of course, that can grow by itself. But uh, the reason I don't want that to grow more than 10% is it's a conscious choice. I'm not saying everybody should do that. There are people who are doing that part as 100% of what they are or as their career. Uh, And the reason is because it is too important for me. Uh, I don't... I I now say I'm a content creator because people identify and understand what a content creator is. But... uh, in a sense, I know who I am, and I have done these things. And I'm a blogger not because being a blogger pays you, or it's a great career choice, but it's because I have loved sharing those stories and and enjoyed doing this. So, so the so my sustenance on that is actually my design uh, yeah, income. So it's not so much from uh, from my content creation. Um, it's not something that I monetize as effectively as I could. Uh, and that's a conscious choice like i keep saying because i don't want to turn the, my entire career into a content creation career uh, it's just a conscious choice yeah uh, having said that coming back to the kind of okay. income streams um uh, income streams people can explore like you said paywalls are becoming big now and i think you can reach that paywall stage only when you have uh, a critical mass right when you have you know, an X amount of followers or people who who are your real fans and they don't mind paying for your services, for your content. Uh, So so that's not something which I would start off as a strategy from the beginning. In the beginning, it's always better to do. In fact, the best way to monetize your content early on is perhaps doing uh, brand collaborations. So even if you have really low numbers, it doesn't matter. If you have the right contacts, I think, that's most important nobody tells you this but if you have the right contacts that's going to get your business anywhere it doesn't matter whether you're a content creator whether you're a designer whatever field you're in uh it's, it's super important to, to to be in the right place and to be with the right people
0: um so koshal i totally understand that uh, content creation has not been the main source of income for you but i would like to mm-hmm. uh, dig into the the second degree of Effect of uh, content creation because I feel like content creation increases your luck surface area and it also leads to uh, discoveries. So, would you like to share about that? How creating content has led to
1: opportunities for you? Oh, absolutely, man. I love that word luck surface area. I've never heard that before for sure. So, I'm going to make a mental note of that. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it's what I would call basically uh, increasing your chances of serendipity, right? What you mentioned earlier. So, Absolutely. I mean, the more you ca- the the more you're distributing yourself, and the more you're putting yourself out there in different formats, uh, your discoverability is going to go up, and which is exactly why the chances of you being discovered, your the chances of you getting new opportunities, is going to grow way more than that, right? Uh, that can that that again applies to anyone. It doesn't have to be a content creator only. It also applies to any sort of business. The more you're discoverable, the more you have. Uh, opportunities in your life um uh, were you talking about specific great. examples or you were just discussing Yeah, if you can
0: some examples that would be
1: great like how you got discovered uh, <laughs> just through your content. So, quite a lot man quite a lot i mean there are things like i said because uh, it's something which i have never looked at as a primary income source uh, i have never looked at it well at least five years ago i never looked at my content creation or my travel blog as something which was uh, a serious business that I was doing, it was something which I was doing passionately as a as a side hustle. Not even I wouldn't even call it a side hustle. It was more of a side gig, a side thing I was doing just because I love doing it. Um, and then you know I would start getting these opportunities where uh, tourism boards would start reaching out to me, saying that hey, we would love to invite you over to uh, Germany, to uh, Jordan, uh, to Australia, and I was like, what? Uh, you know, these are things which I never expected or uh, or or even wished for. I mean, maybe in the back of my mind, uh, but I I honestly and I'm not being naive here. I'm I genuinely did not know that these things existed at least back then. Today it's become so common, but back then I didn't expect or know that uh, you know uh, tourism boards invite you over and you could go and you know travel to places because you're a blogger and because uh, you have a certain uh, a, a certain say or, uh, you know, you're an, uh, you're an SME or a sub- subject matter expert in that space. So that was amazing. Um, it helps you in so many different ways to just connect with people because, you know, there have been instances where uh, if I have gone for a specific project, whether it was my design project or something else, uh, and people would know me because they are like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of you or I know you or I follow you. That's like the best compliment you could possibly get but it also increases your affinity, right? People, uh, the more people know you, the more likely you are to do business with them or the same applies even to your dating life, for example, right? The more somebody is familiar, uh, your chances there are are way higher. Uh, So yeah, that's that's how I would put it.
0: Absolutely, man. That reminded me of the time when I was uh, dating my wife and yeah. that was way back in uh, 2010, and uh, I remember the reason why she noticed me and kind of she kind of got a bit uh, interested in me is because um, because because of a bit of content creation that I was doing, and you know, because of I had a <laughs> page, and, and and one of her friend told her that, oh wow, you know Saurabh I know him too, so that wow. that, that, that really <laughs> helped.
1: Yeah, uh, that that happened. All right. Getting back Absolutely to, well. uh, I mean, I the, keep, you know even I proudly tell people that I know sort of, so I can do okay, it.
0: Thanks. Right. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, so getting back to the the content creation. Thanks for giving that example because I think that that's super important for all those who are just getting started. Uh, they should know that how uh, content creation leads to credibility and how mm-hmm. content creation if not if, if it's not giving you direct monetization it has second degree effect which is um, extremely important yeah leads to amazing opportunities all right let's let's uh, discuss a bit about uh, you as a maker uh, i mean uh, to be honest i'm like i'm really surprised with how you go on with so many different
1: identities
0: uh you know like that that would be uh, another talk
1: for, Dude, we could uh, we could have a mutual fan club man i feel the same uh you know in terms of what you do and i'm always awed by wow you know sort of has launched something new and it's it's amazing so feelings mutual buddy
0: all right okay welcome to the mutual admiration club <laughs> so but let's let's for now um, dig into uh, the you as a maker and uh, yeah if you can share a bit about how you became a no coder how you are using no code to build products and what are the tools you are
1: using as a no code guy if you if you want the most honest answer i got into no code because i can't code that really is it because if i could code i would have done uh, what i'm doing uh maybe 20 years ago uh, and the uh, i'm not saying this is a regret that i have but the one thing i would love to learn or get good at is coding so as much as i love the whole no code movement i think i think being able to code is a superpower in itself but because i don't have that superpower i thought you know let me at least try and understand what this no code thing is all about uh, and last year i think it was around uh, we are in September now, right? So it's been over a year, maybe around April, May, uh, is when I discovered, or maybe a little later after that, I discovered uh, Glide, which is which is a great platform, which is a great uh, no-code platform. And I realized how simple and easy it was to just take a spreadsheet and convert that into a full-fledged app, uh, and an app that you don't even have to download. It's a web app, it's a progressive web app, which, which can work on web, which can work on mobile uh, across any device. And they had beautiful rendering, beautiful, easy, uh, uh, you know, drag and drop or simple uh, if if and then kind of uh, uh, logic. So it was so easy that I literally, and I'm not, I'm I'm almost saying this as if I work for them or if they are paying me to say this. They are not. Uh, I genuinely mean this. That I literally launched the entire app in two hours flat. Uh, so I had what I envisioned. I could create that in two hours, and it's, it's perhaps the the uh, you know the, the fastest project that I've ever delivered. Great. Are you talking about the WorldViews app? The WorldViews app, yes, yeah. Great. Awesome.
0: Uh, great. Also, uh, Kushal would love to know your thoughts on the future of nomadism. Where do you mm-hmm. think we are heading towards with nomadism, and what are your top predictions?
1: Uh, I think nomadism is has gotten a new fillip. I mean, if it wasn't already on a trajectory, uh, it was definitely on a uh, on an upward trajectory. But now the trajectory has gone from this to this, right? It is basically, and that is the uh, post COVID effect. I mean, if there is, I mean, COVID has been horrible. It has been uh, it has been menacing for a lot of people. People have lost lives, and you know, uh, there have been horrible things that have happened. But it has also had some positive effects uh, overall on the way we work. Uh, You know, again, debatable, but if we let the negative aspects of it aside, I think the positive aspects are uh, things which don't get talked about as much as they should, perhaps. Um, And the whole work from home, the whole nomadism uh, concept, which has now emerged as, uh, as something which is normal, the new normal, is something I don't think you and I would have could have possibly predicted just before the pandemic right like 2 years ago i mean imagine how much how much you and i had to work and tell people that you know you should be a digital nomad we've been evangelizing being a digital nomad for over a decade and people are now doing it as if yeah we always knew about this right so it's almost like you know our job is done but at the same time we were not paid for it <laughs> that's how i would put it <laughs> Uh, and I think I think the future exactly. is only I mean, brighter. I, like, I the all the nom- Sorry, yeah, yeah, the yeah. You feel I mean, it all the nomads. Uh, the
0: only one point I wanted to make was that, yeah, all the nomads uh, had this "I told you so"
1: moment. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And yeah, I I just put it as you know, hey, we did our job and we didn't get paid for it. <laughs> but uh, but I think the future of this is only gonna get brighter and better uh, there will be people who will probably realize it's not for them because digital nomadism is not for everyone uh it's not it's not about being it was never elitist it was basically about choosing that lifestyle right uh i know nomads who are i mean one of my favorite uh creators nomad shubham he's a nomad who comes from a, a small little village in bihar Right, it's not about being elitist. Any if uh, if a little kid from a small town in Bihar can, no matter around the world, what stops you? And his encouragement, his uh, you know, his drive, his motivation was the talk, uh, the TED talk. Uh, I forget the guy's name. You know the guy who I'm talking about. Uh, the, 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 the the popular Are you about TED talk. Varun? Not Varun. Varun, uh, Varun is one of his inspirations, of course. Oh, okay, but I.
0: Yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas Love yes. Perko's. Day. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that was his inspiration. And and today he's the biggest travel YouTuber uh, and he's nomading all around the world. So, you know, anything is possible. And I think the future is great for Gen Z and beyond. It's They are just going to be uh, digital natives and digital nomad natives, I would say. The, for us, we had to evangelize being a digital nomad. They are going to be born digital nomads
0: yeah i'm i'm glad that you brought this up because uh yes we should definitely um discuss about how uh when it comes to digital nomadism uh, with the with the four hour work week and vagabonding earlier it was uh, about the privileged white male but now mm-hmm. it is very much democratized and it's completely uh, democratized. you know now example of nomad shubham and how yes his background of coming from a small village in Bihar did not stop mm-hmm. him
1: from embracing this lifestyle. So Absolutely. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And somebody now the president calls. You know, the president called him and congratulated him and for being a, uh, a, a, a an evangelist or or ambassador of India to the world, which is amazing. Small town boy. <laughs> yeah, that's that that definitely uh, would
0: have inspired millions of many other, more exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so to answer in your India. question, the future for nomadism is huge, especially for Indians. Uh, you know, are, the Indians are going to be the next big digital nomad wave that's coming.
0: Great. <clears throat> um, also, Pashal, what's your advice for uh, someone who is looking to transition from 95 life to a digital nomad lifestyle?
1: My biggest advice is definitely going to be uh, keep your financial backups in place. Because it is not easy. Um, I have seen ups and downs. I have gone broke multiple times, and when I'm saying broke, I mean flat broke. Uh, you know, and that's not a situation you ever want to be in. It's not a happy situation. It sounds very awesome when you when you look at it in hindsight, but when you're going through it, it is painful. Uh, so my my only and only advice is going to be make sure that you have uh, uh, enough money in the bank or enough savings. Uh, to last you for your experiment. And I'm saying experiment because you have to be ready to to accept failure if it doesn't work. Uh, And the reason is because I always, one thing that has always driven me uh, in terms of my values is that I believe in two things that are important in life. One is your responsibilities and second is is your priorities. So responsibilities are things that you're given um, and priorities are what you set for yourself, right? So if you have responsibilities to take care of, uh, where you need to pay off your EMIs or you have a family to take care of or whatever it is. You can't just dive into, uh, you know, uh, into the nomad life or, or say that I will figure out my way on, you know, I will jump off a cliff and figure out a way to fly on the way down. That's not going to happen. Be realistic. Be you know, be optimistic, but be realistic. So be, the, be the optimist realist is what I would say. Uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Work for the best, I would say. Yeah.
0: Great. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Kashal, for sharing that. Um, many of the aspiring nomads would really appreciate what you just shared. And coming from you means a lot because you have been one of the OG digital nomad. Uh, you have been seeing the digital nomad life uh, way before it became the hashtag digital nomad life. So thanks a lot yeah, for sharing you know, that. You know our and, pains,
1: uh, man. You know our challenges. <laughs> you know, We had to literally explain to our clients that yes we will work from goa yes we will work from brazil really you know it's not like we are there only for a vacation so today it has become the norm but back then it was way more challenging to even explain or get a client buy-in that it is possible to work from anywhere so we i mean that's just one of the challenges we had way many way too many challenges to face so, so the next generation we kind of laid the path for the next uh, set of uh, uh nomads you know to to walk on which is great but yeah the journey has been you know ups and downs and it's been challenging for sure but rewarding <laughs> great awesome yeah there, there's
0: so much to talk uh about when it comes to nomadism and uh um, you know, you being the creator and things in common that we have, but we have to. And I'll just keep this episode very short and we can have something uh, for the next episode as well. Yes, um, absolutely. So yeah, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks a lot for sharing all your thoughts. Uh,
1: it's been a pleasure, man. Sort uh, I mean, I have very few things that would, you know, get me to wake up early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and I knew that this session was going to be worth it. So thank you for having me and all the very best with whatever you're doing. You are doing amazing stuff. You always have my best wishes. And I know I will keep bumping into you in different places, man, and Bangor for sure. Thanks, yeah, looking forward to catch up with you in person. At Small World.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs)